You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. So, Michael, what's in your glass today? Do you know what, Andre? I've decided uh, I'm going to open up something that I, I, this may be the worst mistake of my life. And um, have you ever tried the Finca Flitzman Mysterio Malbec? The Finca Flitzman what? Finca Flitzman Mysterio Malbec. Yeah, no. You've never tried that? No. It's like a seven ninety five wine. Okay. It's kind of in the vein of, uh, or it came out around the same time as Fusion. Um, but this was like the serious version of Fusion. Can I say that? Yeah, you can. You already okay. did. It's on tape. Too late. All yeah, right. Can't take it back. So, you know, for, I think both of them came out about seven ninety five or whatever they came out as. And, uh, you know, if you thought Fusion was a little too sweet or uh, too fruit-driven... Mysterio was your alternative. And uh, now I have held it. This is a 2006 version. Sweet. So I was I have still held... in university. What was that? I was still in university in 2006. All right. So this is the 2006 version of a 795 wine. And uh, the onus is on me, obviously. <laughs> yes. Whether this is bad or not. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The I'm kind of surprised at a 795 wine. It's a little earthy. Still a little more woodsy than I that I would probably want. It's like chewing on a twig, but there's uh, there's just a hint of a hint of old fruit. Interesting. Old fruit, what? Like raisins or old fruit, like? Well, I'm trying to get a, it takes you a few, you know, when, when you open an old wine, you know, it, it's been in that bottle for, for, you know, this one for, let's say eight years, nine years. I'd be a little cranky too, if I was sitting in a bottle for nine years and then somebody pops the cork. So it may take a little time for this one to open up. But I'm I'm not disappointed in it. It's not vinegar. Well, I mean, given the topic that we're going to be uh, addressing today, old wines, we can definitely talk about how the wine evolves because, unfortunately, I do not have any old wine to drink tonight, but I'm drinking something that I was very excited to uh, get a chance to try. And that is the 2027 Cellars Aberdeen Road Vineyard Chardonnay. Oh, what year? 2013. Oh, that's a good wine. This wine is outstanding. Yep. Like he made two that year. Perfect balance. It's uh, it, it definitely has a bit of the wild ferment taste to it. It doesn't say wild ferment on the on the bottle, but I, I'm I'm guessing that this is, is fermented with indigenous yeast. Wildly. Wildly, yes. Just <laughs> Wildly. very very tasty balanced Chardonnay. He does uh, he does too. Is that the one from the from the bench? Is that the Beamsville one? Yes, it is. VQA Beamsville Bench. Yeah. That, that uh, although it's a Chardonnay, it is an outstanding wine. Yeah. 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 I think uh, I think I have a video coming up of that one. Great. I can't wait to see it. We will yeah. uh, definitely promote it on social media. So, uh, let me think. Uh, we're going to talk old wine. And uh, I think the reason uh, this one came up 
Yes, because uh, uh, I, I I posted something not too long ago about not a too old enough wine, but it was an old wine. Yes, and it was uh, it was horrific. Yes, and uh, um, I'll just I'm not going to mention anything, but the winery phoned me up and was very upset that I would do that. Yes, and uh, my my policy. Uh, when I review wine, first of all, is I never do a bad review, but I do have a section on my website called Taste It Again, which is for wines that are now long past or long gone out of uh, wine stores. And now it becomes a a way to let you know what's happening in your cellar, what's happening in my cellar. Maybe now it's, you know, it's too late for that wine, or maybe I tell you it's not so good and, and you can go, oh, I have some of that. I'm going to go try it and see if it really is bad or or not. Well, there you go. So, which got us thinking that, you know, maybe people should understand what what old wine is is all about. And also the the risks associated with it. I mean, I've had the chance to uh, share a few glasses of wine with Zoltan Zabo uh, over the course of the past year, and Zoltan has actually given up on keeping a wine collection. Um, and he kind of explained to me that uh, there's really nothing worse than opening a bottle you've been saving and having it come up corked or come up past its prime or, or basically just come up not tasting the way that you, you want it to taste. Because, I mean, even if you're opening a bottle of, you know, a really young, let's just say you have the financial means, like a, a very fine, tight Bordeaux, you can toss in a decanter and fine. It might take a few hours before... It opens up, but you can always coax coax those wines to taste the way they should when you open them young. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm I'm one who really, really digs that older wine kind of experimentation. I guess, you know, it's it's on me. It really is. Uh, the onus now, as I said earlier, the onus is on me about let's say this Mysterio. If it was bad, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping a $7.95 wine for 10 years. Like, what's wrong with my head? Well, but on the you other just hand... just want to know what something old tastes like. I mean, the wines that I'm saving right now, uh, I've been collecting Henry of Pelham Baco Noir. Because I can uh, afford the wine. It's something I can toss in the cellar every year. And I, I have 2010 through 14 building in my collection. And I don't know when I'm going to open it. Maybe when I get... That I have ten, I'll just open all of them. No, that's an idea. But then you know, the the ten will it be as good as you remember it? And we're all, you know, anybody who keeps a wine cellar or keeps older wine runs the risk of ending up with a bad bottle. It just happens. the 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 wine that I opened up was it a bad bottle? Was it a bad batch? Was it aged too long? Have I? It was only a two thousand and ten, so it's only six years old. But you know, I, you never know. You just never know. Even even when, you know, we write down in a review and we say, oh, good through 2020, it really is just an educated guess. Absolutely. And I mean, putting, putting a, a bottle on its side, uh, there's so many other factors that go into whether or not a wine is, is going to age. And I guess number one is making sure you have ideal cellar conditions and Lord knows that for the vast collection building in this small downtown Toronto apartment, uh, I don't have ideal 
seller conditions. I'm certainly doing the best I can, but I know that I'm going to be taking a gamble with some fairly expensive wines down the road. Yeah, because you are, you are in an apartment, and I, if I'm not mistaken, you're on a second floor. I am. So you really don't have a basement. Myself, I have a house, so I have a basement, and uh, and the cellar is actually underneath the house. Uh, I don't keep a, a, a air conditioner unit handy, uh, but the the room, as long as it doesn't fluctuate more than 10 degrees, I, I'm told that you're pretty much okay. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm lucky enough to have a couple of air conditionings and, uh, well, I mean, I don't have any air conditioner. I don't have a specific air conditioner for that room. Okay. There's air conditioning in the house, but I don't have a specific air conditioner or an air, you know, whatever the heck they call them, compressor or, or whatever for a wine cellar. I have a wine fridge yeah. where I keep the, you know, the better bottles. Well, let's, let's just say, Michael, how many bottles do you have in your collection? Uh, 2,400. Jesus, mother of <laughs> God. You know, I've been there and I've seen it, but whenever you say that number, it still comes as a shock to me. Andre, let me let me be perfectly honest about this collection, though. It's not like I've got, uh, you know, first growth Bordeaux. Uh, I started uh, my wine collection buying $7 and $8 bottles of wine. And um, most human beings, I would think, would um, you know buy a wine rack, fill the wine rack, empty the wine rack, and then start again? I just bought more wine racks, so so that I had more to fill. So uh, so a lot of you know these seven ninety five wines. I come back to that. Uh, a lot of my oldest bottles are seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a bottle, and it really is interesting to see if some of these really old bottles of what would be considered cheap wine age age well well and i mean there have been times where i've come to your house where we've opened up some wines from uh i know magnata comes to mind where yep. you spent next to nothing on the bottles and i think we've gone back as far as 2002 or 2003 and a lot of them had aged quite nicely yep yeah, but then on the other hand, we had a 2001 that, you know, was probably ruined the moment I bought it because it was ladybugged. Yes, it was ladybugged. And that, that you know, uh, the first few years, everybody was like, oh, this is a lovely wine. And then as as it aged, you got those pyrazines going and it just, it, it tasted like a peanut butter sandwich. Although if you really like peanut butter, you'll probably really love you 2001 really Ontario wines. But I, you know, and I have some other, uh, you know, 2001 Ontario and, you know, it, it's, it's that mindset where you go, well, maybe it's ladybugged, so I don't think I should open it. So you don't open it because it's ladybugged or it could be ladybugged or, you know, any of those things. I think my biggest pet peeve, of course, we talked about during our labeling podcast was when I pull the capsule off and it's plastic and I just, I go mental. And fortunately for me... I don't think a lot of people are still using plastic, so I've never had my heart broken by a plastic. Well, plastic is, is used now for, um, this actually wine is very drinkable, very smooth. Um, it's starting to, to show a little bit of um, pruny cassis. Okay. And that's, and that's in a good way, but still with that woodsy, earthy uh, nuances always in the background. So I, I think this is, this is doing very well. Um, but I totally lost my train of thought because I had no idea what you said. I was 
too busy enjoying this wine. I think we're just talking about uh, the point I was trying to get to is that the price doesn't necessarily dictate how well a bottle is is going to age. Because I know you mentioned that you have a vast collection, but you don't have any Grand Cru Bordeaux. No, no, I don't have any Grand Cru. I have. I am sure that in the in the years of uh, 2003 through 2006, when plastic cork was, you know, becoming a big thing, and I remember we were talking plastic, um, I, I'm sure I have, I would, be, I would bet you there's probably 50 bottles in there that are just, just plastic, and I'm, I'm, and I, I'm going to be disappointed. It might be time to start going through there to see if you can find them. Well, I, I, I am kind of going through the later stages or, or earlier stages, I guess, of my wine collection. Oldest bottle I have is from 1998, and uh, I believe it's uh, a Southbrook. And uh, the last time I opened up uh, something from the late 90s or early 2000s Southbrook, they were absolutely stunning, gorgeous wines. Which ones were they? Uh, I did the uh, Cab Franc, I believe, at uh, at Christmas. I, I want to say it was like the 2002, 2001, uh, a, a gorgeous bottle. The 98 was still holding its own. Uh, and I think that was, uh, believe it or not, Lely Vineyard Cab Sauve, I think. Wow. And it, it was Southbrook from Lely Vineyard. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, anybody who thinks that Ontario wines don't age is just is selling themselves short. They really are. Well, before we talk about Ontario wines aging, um, I just want you to talk about, like I said, because I've never had a chance to taste plastic cork. What does plastic cork do to a bottle of wine? It, it, it prematurely oxidizes it in, in my experience. Um, I think more delicate wines suffer than, say, something from Australia or something from California or, you know, something that has those, like, hot, like a hot climate region seems to get away with it a little bit better. But something delicate, like from Ontario... Um, or any cool climate region, it, it really suffers. The oxidation gets in there um, sometimes, and it's rare, but sometimes you can almost taste like a plasticky feel. I know you're not supposed to. They say that it's a, it's a food-grade plastic. You're not supposed to taste the plastic, but there are different kinds of plastic cork that were used at the time. There are ones that look like little plugs, and there are ones that, uh, as Connor Edgebeck calls it, um, a sponge wrapped in MacTac. Jeez. I think you know what I'm talking about. It looks like a little sponge in the middle, and there's something wrapped around it. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are just look like little bullets. And uh, the bullets are the worst kind. That MacTac thing is a little bit better, but not by much. It's plastic cork is is for short term aging. Three years, four years tops. There you go. Well, and now we were about to shift gears onto the next uh, point, which is uh, how well Ontario wines can age. And I know I keep giving Michelle Bosque at Chateau de Sherma a hard time because I keep asking her to put some of the Chateau de Charme Gamay in Magnum. And I think for many people, they have no idea how well Gamay can age but if you go to my site and look up some of the posts about Beaujolais, um, I've had the opportunity to taste some wine going back to the 1990s from Beaujolais that was still 
bright, fresh, and new. Granted, from really warm, ideal vintages, but I mean, those are wines that have aged 26 years, you know, from a grape that a lot of people kind of look at as second fiddle, even for high-quality Gamay from Ontario. So, so my question is, are those, are those Gamays uh, in oak? Um, I think some of them weren't, or you know what? Actually, I can tell you uh, with certainty that one of the wineries, it was neutral oak. It was the giant uh, foudres that uh, were adding no oak flavoring to the wines whatsoever. But they are in oak of some sort. Because, uh, you know, I found, and, and uh, I, I was kind of shocked by this, speaking of Shatter de Charme, the uh, Gamay Noir Droit. I had a bottle of like I, I think it was the 07 and uh popped the cork and I was disappointed. I was like this is horrific. It's 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 nasty. Um you know and I I I did the post in the in the taste it again column and um Michelle got in touch with me and she said there's no oak in that wine. It's it's all stainless steel. And I I am shocked by that because the the Gamay Noir Duat has a kind of a peppery spiciness that you would associate with uh, barrel aging, and there's none at all in it. Well, I mean, that's the crazy thing about Gamay is that pepperiness is just that's just part of the grape. It's what the grape tastes like. But I was I was shocked because, and most people assume that that wine sees oak, and it doesn't. Hmm. Did you know that? I didn't. But to be perfectly honest with Gamay. I don't give a lot of thought to oak aging or not. If I like the wine, I drink it. I just enjoy Gamay so much that, uh, I mean, I've never really, I guess, you know, with the exception of the Stratus Gamay, that uh, 20, was it 2012, that was really warm and extracted and had vanilla notes because it tasted like it was a Californian-style Gamay. Was that 2012? Uh, 2012 would have been. 2010 would have also been that way. Uh, and I mean, those were great wines. They just weren't very uh, typical of what you expect from Gamay. No, but uh, JL seems to to want to do that uh, that that style, and uh, it's like the Zinfandel of Gamay. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, and I'm okay with it. Yep. You know what? I'm I'm okay uh, as long as they're not trying to fool me and say, "Oh, this is this is what Gamay should taste like." Oh no, he knows what he's doing. Uh, and, he, and, and in our interview with him, he was quite upfront that he was looking for a different style of Gamay, a little longer in the hang time, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, you know, a little more extraction, a little more fruit forward. You know, they're asking $29 for that wine, and, and in my opinion, uh, it's worth it. I couldn't agree more. And I, and I am aging them. I want to see how well they will age. I do not have the patience my 2012s are all empty. But I, I, you know what? I It's not that I have the... No, I do have the patience. I do because I'm interested. I want to find out what is going to happen to these wines. And that's, I think, what cellaring is all about. That's what older wines are all about. Do you, one, have the patience, but two, do you, do you have the curiosity of what is going to happen to that wine? And I think that's what makes you hang on. And sometimes... To your detriment, you you hang on a little too long. Sometimes you hang on just the right amount, and you taste it, and you go, "Damn it! I wish I had bought more." And that's one of those. That's the other feeling. Well, and and, and then I mean, here's here's the last thing. Just at the, at the risk of letting this uh, podcast get too long and rambly, 
we talked about Conrad. I had a great conversation with Conrad too. For a lot of people who probably will never get a chance to taste old wine, I mean, there's a lot of people who might not even enjoy the taste of old wine. No, because old wine, first of all, you got to understand that imagine you take some fruit and you leave it on your counter and it's just going to wrinkle up and dry up and, and just would you eat it, would you taste it when it gets to that point? Basically, old wine is just dried up grapes, dried up fruit. You got to like that older, dried up kind of feel. It's not that fresh, vibrant fruit that you get in the first few years. In the waning years, it just dries up. But it's complexity that it adds to the wine. It's well, not just fruit. There's complexity and different layers. And it is a little bit tough if you do like kind of bright fruit. But, you know, when you're drinking something like a Cabernet Franc from Ontario, let, let's just pick the red shale Cabernet Franc from Trias, which has a lot of tannin and it's really grippy. And, yeah, it tastes pretty good now. But, I mean, if you've had a chance to enjoy a bottle that's spent some time in a, in a decanter, I mean, that's just exposure to, to oxygen. So in the bottle, when you let it age, you're letting it get exposed to a little bit of oxygen over the course of time. And you're hopefully going to soften some of that tannin and make the wine a little bit easier to drink right from when you open it. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, you know what, when you really get that, that, that wine, it's, it truly is magical. And it's, and it's, I think, what gets you interested in wine is finding those really superlative bottles that are just so good and well-aged. Um, so I guess before we, we wrap up, can you take another taste of your uh, Fou de Fafa uh, Malbec? <laughs> the uh, Finca Flitchman. Yeah, that's what I said. Maybe I'm saying Flitchman wrong, but it's the Finca Flitchman. And, I, and you know what? The wine is still available at, uh, at the LCBO. You know what? Let me just look it up to make sure this isn't like when you're saying Sauvignon Blanc incorrectly. It's a F L I C H M A N, Flitchman, Mysterio, Malbec. It says oak aged, um, yeah, Souchen, which is oak aged. And you know what? It is. It is quite different. The, the woodsiness is still there. Uh, there's still that earthiness, but it's nine dollars and five cents a bottle. Mm-hmm. So over the next 10 years, it's gone up a you know, buck and a half, a little bit more. You know what? It's still woodsy. It's still earthy. Maybe a little bit of uh, that cassis current thing going on. Um, look, it's past its prime, but it's very drinkable, very smooth. Um, I'd have no problem. I'd have no problem drinking this. There's a little bit of a, a, a charry note to it, which is quite interesting. Um, you know, like barrel char. Uh, so it's it's definitely into tertiary characteristics. The primary fruit is is long gone. Um, a little on the pruny side, a little bit on the earthy side. But you know what? For a ten year old eight dollar bottle of wine, I, I'm I'm very happy. Cool. I'm very happy. I might need to buy some $8 wine to age. Believe it or not, I think you should. I uh. think you'd be very impressed. The first thing I ever, ever tried was um, uh, wine from uh, Gato Negro. 
mm-hmm. which used to be a staple here in Ontario. I don't think it's around anymore, but I, I'd have to check. But uh, I bought a whole case of it because it, too, was in the $8 range for wines. And I bought a whole case, and I tried to bottle a year until the wine went bad, which was only four years. And then, and now, Cabernet uh, Sauvignon, eight dollars and ninety-five cents. Which was that one? Gato Negro Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, I would bet you that's now under screw cap because that was under plastic plug when I bought it, and it went four years before it went absolutely rancid. And the good news about the LCBO, uh, good for them, they took the other eight bottles back. Well, there you go. Yeah, because it it was nasty. It had gone. It had gone bad. But I would bet you it's it's now under uh, under screw cap. It's definitely under screw cap now. Yeah, and it would it would definitely it would age quite lovely. I I would bet you you would probably get through almost all of that case before it goes bad. Give it a shot. Try an eight dollar bottle of wine. Buy a case. Make sure it's something that's that's you know sold in the LCBO over a long period of time that they're not going to just dump it. And then you can actually, you know, if it does go bad, you can you can take it back. It's one of the beauties of our of our LCBO system. One of the few, but one of the beauties of the system. Holy crap, Michael! I think it's time to wrap up. You're clearly drunk because you said something nice about the LCBO. That's a good point, actually. I'll uh, <laughs> next podcast I'll say something bad just to weigh it out. <laughs> well, and to be perfectly honest, now that we've got this podcast under our belt, I don't have any uh, Grand Cru Class A, but I have some. Uh, I do have some very good Bordeaux in this apartment and I'm certain at some point one of these bottles is going to break my heart and let's hope if you're listening to this podcast you'll be around to listen to me curse about it I I hear you curse often shut the fuck up well good night then <laughs> I'm Michael Pinkus from michaelpinkuswinereview.com I'm Andre Prue from andrewinereview.ca and something about uh, iTunes you always mention yeah you can subscribe to this on iTunes uh Leave a review. That apparently will help people see the podcast. And uh, we're on Facebook now. The Two Guys Talking Wine Facebook page is there, so you can actually uh, you can actually make your comments there about things that we've said. If we get a thousand likes, Michael will post a naked picture of himself. No, that will not happen. Or will In it? In fact, if we get a thousand likes, I will not post that, which should be more incentive to get that thousand likes. So tell your friends. <laughs> Good night, Andre. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.